Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest talk. And this will be on small bowel tumors, evaluation with detection and classification. Recent article in press, although the small intestine accounts for over 90% of the surface area of the GI tract, tumors of the small bowel represent under 5% of all GI neoplasms. This article goes on to make the point that CT is an MR, but especially CT is excellent for lesion identification and differentiation. It also does make the point that it's often difficult to detect tumors. I think it's much easier to classify them once you find them, but it's the detection that can be very challenging. And the fact is, whatever the modality, small bowel imaging has always been difficult going back to the days of fluoroscopy and ultrasound and CT and MR. Technique like everything is always critical. Oral contrast, water versus neutral. If looking for small bowel tumor and you're not looking for fistula, water is an ideal agent, distends the small bowel, and also you can get a really good look at the mucosal enhancement. And particularly for smaller lesions, this indeed can be critical. IV is critical. If you're not using IV, you'll miss most lesions. And again, about 100 to 120 cc's at five cc's per second is ideal. And that works out very, very nicely. Now, also to remind everyone that whether you're using positive or water as an agent, you can miss things if you're not careful. In this case, this was read as normal, but you can see there's a mass there, which was a gist tumor. Now, I will admit, I guess they thought this was unopacified bowel, which is really not unreasonable till you look at the coronal views and it's very obvious on the coronal view, there's a mass present. And you could argue this is a gist or this lymphoma, it was a gist, but you can see how easy it is to miss. The patient then came to Hopkins six months later, and you could see at first glance, you're not really impressed, but when you look carefully at the MIP, you can see the mass with abnormal vascularity of the small bowel, left side of abdomen, nicely shown there. And then when you go to coronal display, you can see it particularly well. You also can see the enhancement, which is not uncommon for just tumors. And then when you go into the 3D imaging, you can see that as well, and you see the abnormal vascularity. But you can make the point that the lesion maybe is easier to see here, but it's also easy to miss. So regardless, you need to be careful. So proper technique, as well as not relying on axial images. Do not assume that if you have a question, coronals will be helpful. You always need to look at the coronals because many times I've seen the axials, in this case a good example, as being fairly unremarkable at first glance. And once you do the coronals, things kind of jump from across the room. Now when you speak about looking at the small bowel, we typically describe things as CT enterography. And this is good for inflammatory bowel disease, be it Crohn's or GI bleeders or ischemia or tumors. And in this talk, we're really only going to look at tumors. Dedicated tumor study requires dual phase imaging. We don't need non-contrast and we don't need delayed. And we're going to do this with thin sections at 0.75 millimeter thick sections every 0.5. So one millimeter or less is what you need to do because whether it's arterial or venous phase, you want the best reconstructions, be it 2D recons like NPR or 3D volume rendering or MIP. You need the best and overlapping data becomes critical. 
Now, the point about the routine use of multiplanar imaging, it's shown in this case. This was read as negative. Now, I went back and I got the best spot for duodenal lesion. And that's as good as it gets. Okay, and you can see there's a one centimeter enhancing lesion, which is a carcinoid. This was not seen on the routine slices. But, you know, if you looked at the coronals and the 3D coronal views, look how easy it is to see the lesion. This is a good example of a very flat lesion. And because it was flat, it was hard to see on the axials. Coronals is easy to see, and the enhancement of the lesion, typical in carcinoids, makes it, in fact, easier. And here it is in 3D again. But you can see how easy it is to miss things if you're not very careful. Now, if we look at some numbers, small bowel neoplasms, less than 5% of GI tract tumors, variable clinical presentation, which makes diagnosis often late and often difficult. As we said, 5% of GI malignancies at best. Frequently, patients age 55 to 64, like most tumors. Uh, survival is good because many of the lesions are picked up when they're not that large. Or these lesions are often not that aggressive. You can see in terms of numbers, it's the 23 most common cancer in the US and a little over 1,000 deaths with the age of diagnosis at 65. Now, when you look carefully, you say, well, what are the small bowel tumors? Really, you talk about four types, adenocarcinoma, carcinoids, lymphoma, and sarcoma, or just tumors. And the incidence is increasing. Now, if you ask the question, what's the most frequent tumor? You commonly say adenocarcinoma, but now we realize how many carcinoids there are present now that we do arterial phase imaging and pick up small carcinoids. So depending on the article you read, it's carcinoid or adenocarcinoma. We know, and this is a chart which nicely shows that depending on the tumor type, location will vary. Although carcinoids can be in duodenum, and they're most common in ileum. Although uh, adeno can be in the ileum, it's most common more in the duodenum. So there is a range of where we see tumors. And we can think about that, but more importantly, we're going to talk about some of the basic features that make the tumors recognizable. And we're going to look at everything from primary tumors to metastatic disease. If we start with adenocarcinoma, variable presentation from diffuse infiltration of a small or large segment of bowel to a polypoid mass, which can be subtle, to a constricting lesion, which can cause obstruction, to a large ulcerating lesion, often with perforation, are all the different appearances. And that was also described in the old days of fluoroscopy. Adenocarcinomas are more common proximally. They have a variable presentation and are often seen in association with certain conditions like Crohn's and sprue and celiac disease and familial polyposis. So you can see them with other findings as well. We talk about the presentation, ranging from nausea and vomiting to weight loss to GI bleeding. But again, uh, people have written articles that make the point because of the variable presentation, it's often six to 18 months from presentation to diagnosis. Now, on imaging, it's easy to miss the lesions. You have patients with vague abdominal pain, minimal weight loss or weight loss, a whole bunch of uh, symptoms. 
but it's rare to say rule out small bowel tumors. So you're not really looking carefully, perhaps maybe you're focusing more on the pancreas. Now, if you look at this case, is the duodenum okay? It doesn't look all that impressive at first glance in the third and fourth portion. And here it is again, but when you look at the coronal, you can see from the second through fourth portion of the duodenum, there's diffuse tumor infiltration. There's no obstruction, but there's diffuse tumor infiltration beautifully shown. Or in this case, you look quickly, the duodenum looks okay, but then look a little bit closer, and now you see there's an infiltration from the second and third portion of the duodenum. There's nodularity. Here's another set of images. There's thickening. It's not causing obstruction. It's not causing dilatation, but there's an obvious adenocarcinoma present. But again, here's some more 3D images. Very easy to miss. Now, when the tumors get large, as in this case, and they're causing obstruction of the patient's duodenum, well, then it's much easier to make the diagnosis. And when you look at the coronals, the infiltration is indeed more extensive. But of course, in this case, a good example that by the time you pick it up and this patient had symptoms for a while, you have liver metastasis, or the patient is not resectable. So again, the key is early detection if you want resectability. And that is not the case there. And that's nicely shown. Another example here, one point to make is sometimes ampullary tumors and duodenal tumors can look the same. Duodenal tumors can extend to the ampulla. So here you see a bulky mass. Here it is because of location, it's obstructing the common ducts. So you would have said distal common duct lesion, ampullary lesion. This was duodenal adenocarcinoma to make the point that sometimes the tumors grow upward and obstruct. So just a very nice example of that here. And here you see the common duct dilated on the volume rendering and MIP. And here in the cinematic, you see the obstruction, and you also see the textural change with the mass. And one thing we're looking at with cinematic rendering is picking up subtle tumors because there's a big difference between tumor and fluid. And you can see that infiltration as we look at some of the cinematic views. Another example, a more impressive case Tumor infiltration, fourth portion of duodenum into jejunum. You can see the infiltration. You see it nicely on the coronals. You see it nicely on the 3D reconstructions. And you can see it's diffuse infiltration causing obstruction. Just a very, very nice example. And here it is on the cinematic 3D rendering. You see the duodenum. Red is fluid in bowel. Then you see the thickened folds and the infiltration which you can see here as well. I do like the cinematic. It gives you a good look at the mucosa of the bowel, gives you a good look at fluid, also can show you edema, as well as showing you very nicely the patient's tumor. And you can see the transition by the ligament of trites between dilated small bowel and the patient's tumor, very nicely shown. Not every case is simple. This case is a good example. At first glance, you say this is a pancreatic cancer, then you realize what you're dealing with is a duodenal cancer that's ulcerating, that's obstructing the common duct, giving the patient intrahepatic duct dilatation. So a very, very important thing to remember is sometimes it can be problematic. Now, the truth is you can get a biopsy, and the truth also is that if you were to do Whipple's procedure, that's what you do for pancreas as well as duodenal adenocarcinoma. But you want to be correct, and just to make the point that sometimes the obstruction by duodenal cancers 
simulates pancreatic cancer, and it can obstruct the common duct, the pancreatic duct, and be invasive. Second tumor I'll talk about are carcinoid tumors. They're an unusual tumor, biologically heterogeneous group of tumors with a spectrum ranging from benign inland tumors to aggressive metastatic disease. It's most common in the ileum and least common in the duodenum, but there are a type of carcinoids that occur in the duodenum. It's more common in African Americans and lower in Hispanics. It can range anywhere from an incidental finding on colonoscopy to carcinoid syndrome, where we're looking for the carcinoid, to perforation and obstruction or GI bleeding. Carcinoid is one of the common causes of unexplained GI bleeding. Now, we talk about duodenal carcinoids a little bit different. They're unique from other small bowel carcinoids. A serotonin excess and carcinoid syndrome are rarely seen. They arise from the gastrin producing G cells or somatostatin producing T cells. D cell duodenal somatostatinomas arise in the periampulary region, simulate periampulary tumors, and are more commonly associated with type 1 neurofibromatosis. I think the thing about these duodenal tumors is they can look very much like GIST tumors. They're small, but they intensely enhance, which is something you would say with neuroendocrine tumors in general, but also you could think about GIST tumors as well in the region of the duodenum. So it's something to remember. And again, just like I showed you that adenocarcinoma, this can obstruct as well. Now, the ileal and jejunal, but mainly ileal, are more common. The ileum is the most common site. Arterial phase imaging is now really good for picking up the primary tumor in the bowel, as well as masses in the mesentery, as well as looking at the liver. Desmoplastic reaction in the mesentery in about three-quarter of cases. Soft tissue mass speculations, calcification, and desmoplastic reaction. So when you look at carcinoids, you're looking for the primary mass in bowel, which sometimes may be hard to see. And you also realize they may have multiple masses, so you can't see multiple masses. Mesenteric masses, desmoplastic reaction, 70% are calcified, are indeed common. In terms of accuracy in this paper by Kamali, their accuracy uh, looking at smaller tumors was 100% sensitivity, 92% specificity. Negative predictive value was 100%. So they were indeed really good. Here's an example of a patient with a neuroendocrine tumor, which was a carcinoid, in the patient's duodenum. And you can see it's enhancing. It's a one centimeter lesion, nicely shown at the arrow. And in fact, it's easier to see as you go to the coronal views because it stands out. From a vascular perspective, neuroendocrine tumor location, carcinoid. And here it is with cinematic, very nicely shown. Now, another example of duodenal carcinoid. These cameras in with GI bleeding, I mentioned they can look like GIST tumors. Here's a vascular lesion under two centimeters, area of central necrosis, nicely shown with the arrows. And here's just another set of images showing that as well. Now, I will admit sometimes you can't be certain, is it a small bowel tumor or is it a pancreas? This lesion here could easily be a pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor or a small bowel tumor. It ended up being a pancreatic at first glance, but it's hard to say, right? It's hard to say exactly what it is. When you look at the reconstructions, it ended up being a carcinoid tumor. That's a tough call. Another example here, 
These can be small. Look at the duodenum fourth portion. There's a one centimeter lesion, barely visible, even hard to see in the coronal views, but easier to see there and nicely shown here. So that's a one centimeter carcinoid. Think about how many of these you probably missed. Again, the importance of proper enhancement, proper timing, as well as good bowel distension cannot be overemphasized. And here are some volume rendered views as well, very nicely shown. Now, sometimes, again, this differential between carcinoid or neuroendocrine tumor of duodenum versus pancreas. Here's a good example. You see the third to fourth portion of the duodenum is markedly thickened. That's the infiltrating tumor. Then there's enhancement and there's an exophytic component, which you can see here, which involves the vessels, particularly the splenic vein, which causes a desmoplastic reaction, which causes multiple collaterals, and that's a really nice carcinoid tumor. And you could see it here as well. Again, on the 3D reconstructions, you see that infiltration of the distal third and fourth portion of the duodenum and how the tumor has caused that desmoplastic reaction, which is also nicely seen on the MIP imaging. Now, when we talk about carcinoid tumors in general, we also like to speak about the masses that are the ones that are most common that are in the mesentery. And that mesenteric carcinoid is indeed very, very popular. And this case shows you a really good example, calcification and desmoplastic reaction. You can have calcification, sclerosing mesenteritis, treated lymphoma. But when you start having speculations and desmoplastic reaction in a mass, you better be thinking carcinoid. So it looks like we're running out of time for this session. Let's do this. Let's pick up with this slide and let's talk a little bit more about carcinoid tumors and location when we get back. Okay, see you in a moment. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.